0: Welcome back to Between Beauty and Heartache. I'm your host, Chassie Anders. If you are in a hard place right now, you are in the right place, my friend. The main word that we're going to be talking about is the word with. That's what this podcast is titled, The Beauty of Being With. Let's just dive right in. It's a really fun subject, and I'm excited to talk with you about it. All right, so if you're new around here, I just finished a three-part series launching this podcast of me sharing my story. So after this episode, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to those. It's a three-part series. I think it'll help you understand a little bit more about um, where we're going to be going in this podcast, who I am, help you to get to know me a little bit more. Now that I've shared my story, I really think that it was important to, before we get into like the nitty-gritty of hard things like trauma, pain, sorrow, grief, how to move through those things, how to know if you have unresolved trauma, that kind of thing. I thought it was really important to start with the beauty of being with. It'll be easier to identify what is broken in our lives, what is wrong in our relationships, our relationships to self, our relationship to our spouse, our family, our friends, to God, um, to the world around us. I think it'll help us to identify what's wrong if we know how things are supposed to be and how we're wired. <laughs> and I really have been surprised over the recent years just how much I have meditated on the word with. It's kind of crazy. It's such a small little word, but I think it has it's had a very big impact on my life. Obviously, I'm I'm a Christian and one time somebody asked me, you know, if you if you could Talk about or summarize the Bible in one word, what would it be? And I really think that's my word. I think I would use and choose the word with. That's one of Christ's names, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, I read a book called The Epic of Eden. And in that book, she really helps you understand a little bit more about the culture that Jesus was born into. A patriarchal society, a tribal society, helps us understand. A little bit more of what that culture is like, because it's hard for us as modern day people in the West to really get some of the language and some of the things that God was communicating with the people he was writing to at the time, right? So she helps people understand that a little bit more. I think she also just has helped me just understand the Bible a a little bit more. God made us. He made the world. It was perfect. We were in right relationship with God, ourselves, each other, and the world around us. And then, you know, this thing called sin, right, entered into the picture. Um, And whether you believe that story or not, maybe you're listening and you're not a Christian. I think we all can agree that there are things in the world that are wrong. And we don't really know how to make sense of suffering. We're not in right relationship with self. We don't have a, a correct view of God, the world around us. And we don't have right relationships with the people closest to us sometimes. I think that it's really helped me fall like deeper and like more and maybe back in love with Jesus, knowing that we were separated from God and slowly over time, the Bible is God getting closer to us, to people. We were separated and he doesn't want that. And so slowly over time, he through, you know, prophets, through the tabernacle, um, I'm very much... Paraphrasing here, but eventually Jesus himself was God himself came down to us to restore us back to back to himself. And not only that, not only like do did he come to restore relationship with us in God and with each other, it actually says John 14, verse 23, Jesus replied, Loving me empowers you to obey my word, and my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make our make you our dwelling place. There's a lot of language in that chapter about like you know, God comes and makes his home with us. That's very intimate like family language and I just love it. That is one as- aspect of witness. If you have a belief in God, I think ultimately what God wants most from us is to come alongside us and live with us do daily life with us, hear our hearts, engage with us in our stories, hear about our dreams, be a safe place where we can process our heartache and our pain and our frustrations. So that's the spiritual aspect. I think God's main goal is to be with us in right relationship. Even God himself, right? He is not an an individual. He is in perfect community with jesus and the holy spirit so if you're a christian and you believe that we're made in the image of him then we are made to be in community and i really do believe that but what's really cool okay is that as i've learned um from adam young from andy kolber from kathy lorzell as i've learned from people like this they actually have used science and psychology and neuroscience to show me that that's also like in our DNA and how our relationships, did you know relationships are the number one thing that impact and influence your brain? But also the main thing they teach as far as like the psychology and emotional relational part of things is attachment theory. And I am not a pro in attachment theory, but attachment theory is basically based off of science that our bodies, our brains, our nervous system, um, our mind, we were made to be in relationship and to be in safe relationship. And I just think that's really cool. One of, one of the resources I wanted to talk to you about was the big six. So we'll, we'll I guess we'll kind of dive in. We've talked a little bit about God, God wanting to be with us and make his home with us. So that's one aspect of evidence that we were made to be in relationship. But now we'll talk a little bit about in our relationships in our life, how we were made to be in safe connection and relation and a relationship and witness with the people around us. One of the first things that I listened to, I think it's episode two of Adam Young's podcast. No, it's five. Excuse me. He's talking about attachment like, what is it and why does it matter? And he introduces the idea of the big six, which is essentially every child, every human being has six essential emotional needs that they need their caregivers, their parents, the relationships around them to, they need these six things in order to be like a healthy, secure individual in society. And I'll just quickly kind of briefly talk about those things. So number one on this list, the big six that we need in order to feel safe and be in good relationship with the people around us is attunement and attunement is basically you needed your caregiver to be able to notice when your body language changed when your face fell when the tone in your voice changed and they know that you you, you were happy 2 seconds ago and now you're they sense frustration in your voice you needed your parents to be able to recognize when something was wrong when something was really getting you excited That was really important. You needed attunement. You also needed responsiveness. So not it wasn't enough to just have your parent recognize something in you, a passion, a fear, um, something was wrong with you. You also needed them to respond to that. If they noticed when you walked in the door from school that your whole demeanor was you're upset, you needed your parent to sit on the edge of the bed and hug you and comfort you and listen to you share about why that person at school hurt your feelings and why you, you know, had a bad day. You needed that. that w- that's core and essential to the development of your brain. And it, it's essential for you to have the ability to function properly <laughs> in relationships. Isn't that crazy? So number three is engagement. We needed our parents or caregivers to pursue our hearts with a genuine like interest. So for example, if you were really in love with, I don't know, volleyball or drawing when you were young, you needed your caregiver to be able to like see that and help cultivate an, an environment where that was uh, nurtured. You really needed that engagement from your caregiver. You also needed to learn how to regulate your affect. So affect regulation, we'll talk a lot about, and that is actually the number one symptom that helped me recognize that I had unresolved trauma. I have struggled, I can remember, like since a very young age with controlling my affect. I I couldn't. I would get very easily stressed out, very easily upset, and flip up into a 10 um, flip up into hyper arousal. Um, if that you're not, what is what are you talking about? Don't worry. We'll explain that later on. So basically, your your affect is your body's way that it moves through stress. It is essentially how like your body responds to like threat or trauma. So it's you going into like a survival mode. You can do one of two things. there's there's like a scale, one to ten. You can flip up into hyper arousal or you can shut down into hypo arousal. And when you are in either hypo or hyper arousal, you are no longer online. Your prefrontal cortex is no longer online and you cannot make rational decisions. The Basically, the core of who you are is not able to come to the phone right now. <laughs> Survival mode chassis is here. <laughs> so... You really needed to know how to, when you were freaked out or really stressed out and flipped up, come down. You need your parent to teach you how to do that. Or if you're really shut down, you needed your parent to bring you back up to, which is the middle of that spectrum is five or six, which would be a regulated, calm state. Okay, So you really needed that. That is very, very important to being able to function daily properly. Okay. I did not have that ability and I am very much seeing a lot of change in this. I'm, I'm excited to t- share more about that with you guys later. Okay. Number five is you needed to be able to have negative, quote unquote, negative emotions in your household growing up. So you needed to know that if you got angry, if you got sad, if you were frustrated, you needed to be able to essentially express that. And not only did you need to know that that was welcome you also needed to know that there wouldn't be any consequences relationally with your mom or dad or your caregiver if you did that. And then number 6 is basically your parents needed to own and admit fault or own their failures or admit fault, admit fault and repair when some sort of rupture in your relationship with them happened. You needed to know that mommy's mad at me right now, but it's okay like we'll work it out. Like you needed to know that even though she was mad, she was going to come and apologize and comfort you and explain the situation and make repair. So that's the big six, attunement, responsiveness, engagement, affect regulation. You needed to be able to regulate your affect. You needed to be allowed to have negative emotions and you needed parents who were mature enough to admit their fault and make repair with you in their relationship. The reason that I'm bringing that up is because it's going to help you know what you needed, what you should have gotten from your early caregivers. This was the thing that helped me recognize that I actually have, I come from a history of unresolved trauma and the big six, right? No parent is perfect, so you don't you didn't need your parents to perfectly attune, be responsive, engage, help you regulate, welcome your emotions, make repair all the time. You needed them to score about a 50. You needed them to do that about 50% of the time or more. And if your parents did, then you had a health, you developed a healthy secure attachment with your caregivers which then set you up to have healthy attachment with your future later on in life relationships. If you didn't get your big six needs met often enough, so basically if your parents did that 50% or less of the time, that actually, it's not just like, oh, you know, on an emotional level, you don't have the ability to be in relationships or that's just really hard. There's actual like physical ways that impacted the development of your brain potentially. So if a child didn't get those big six needs met enough, they could go on to develop what is called developmental trauma. I won't even try to explain that. I will let you listen to Adam Young's episode. He'll explain that in more detail. And I'll share, again, my resources page will allow you to go into these places where really smart people talk about these things and explain them better than me but I remember listening to that and it helped me realize, wow, yeah, I don't know if I got those needs met often enough. Now we're going to talk a little bit about like more like on a neurobiological level, which means physically in your brain, how relationships impact you. Okay. So we've talked about God, how our relationship with him, we were made and how it impacts us, how we were made in relationship. We've talked about actual relationships emotionally what we need the big six core essential needs actually like go into the neurobiological evidence that relationships are important they're like foundational for us and our well-being to live like whole and integrated in our bodies did you know relationships influence the brain more than anything else Yeah, more than anything else. Like more than exercise, nutrition, drugs, meditation, or even your religious experiences. And if you don't believe me, you can go listen to the podcast (laughs) and listen to Adam Young talk about it because you'll be very impressed. These are, but he says these are the two like laws of like, I don't know if it's like two laws of neuroscience, but these are two things that are very, there's like overwhelming amount of research that these two things are true. So number one, relationships influence the brain more than anything. And number two, your earliest life experiences and relationships have a much more influence on the development of your brain than later on in life experiences. So with putting those two together, Adam Young basically summarizes your earliest relationships with your primary caregivers has had the most shaping power on your actual physical brain. I know that kind of is like, okay, well, that's helpful, but I don't know what my life was like when I was a baby, when I was young. Like, yeah, your first years of life, your first year of life is arguably the most influential time of your life. And your brain grows at like a very intense rate that first year and also in the few first years of your life. And I can remember being like, well, I don't really know what it was like when I was one because I was one. I was a baby. I was a newborn. I don't know what that was like. And one of the major things he suggests is, well, you can start by what is your relationship with your mom or dad like now? What is your relationship with your primary caregiver now? Are they able to give you the big six needs now? And if they're not now, then it's very likely that they weren't able to when you were young. And again, that's not to shame or condemn mom or dad. They have their reasons. Um, in my family especially, like I come from a family of generational trauma. So like I am I understand why I wasn't able to get certain needs met. And I'm not condemning my mom and dad for that. I actually think I'm honoring them and honoring myself by naming these things as true and being able to work through them i'm i'm also honoring i'm honoring myself in that of course but i'm also hopefully honoring my future children one day by doing this work and hopefully not repeating some of the things that have been passed down to me and that my grandparents passed down to my parents those kinds of things if you are looking at your relationship with your mom and dad now and you're kind of like, uh, I don't really know if my parents are able to do the big six or maybe they they do some of them well, but there's a couple on there they don't do well like that can kind of help you down a trail of understanding what it might have been like when you were one and you were a baby and your parents were taking care of you. Like for me when I was one, when I was a newborn, my mom already had three other children. She had, Yeah, like a four-year-old, a five- or six-year-old, and a seven-year-old. And she worked, and my dad worked, and yeah. So I, I can kind of think a little bit about how there just wouldn't have been a lot available to me. And my parents were functioning in the ways that they knew how they were repeating what they had learned. But it's still, like, sad for me as they're as a kid, I wasn't getting what I needed. So to summarize so far, we have talked a little bit about our relationship with God, the importance of our primary caregivers and our relationships with them and how they, our relationships with them actually shape our brain, literally. They also shape the way we relate with the people around us later on in life. So let's just say You're like me, and you did not get your big six needs met. Your brain did not develop properly for whatever reason when you were younger. Until we start giving ourselves the big six as adults, we will stay stuck in broken cycles, broken cycles in our relationships. But it's not just like emotionally there's also like literal physical reasons why you might be stuck. And until you start giving yourself the big six and care and safety, that that's essentially what I think the big six is, is relational relational safety. Until we experience that, our body is going to stay in a state of survival mode because... Things weren't safe when we were young. Things Maybe your home environment was really not good. Maybe um, you have a very toxic, abusive relationship with your mom or dad. Maybe one of your parents was an alcoholic. Maybe one of your parents had a mental health disorder. Maybe one of your parents was even sick and not able to provide you. There's a lot of reasons why we might not have gotten those those needs, and we don't have to dwell on how horrible our parents are that's not what this is about this is about naming what is, was true of us when we were young so that we can give ourselves what we needed then now and the more and more we do that the more and more we build safety in our body which will help actual broken neural pathways in our brain connect which will help us regulate our affect move through stressful things, stay with ourselves, be present, essentially healing, the more we'll be able to heal. So we've talked about God. We've talked about Adam Young's The Big Six, some of the neuroscience rules and laws that shape our brain, relationships shape our brain more than anything. But I want to take a little bit of time to switch gears and talk. So we've talked about our relationship with God, our relationship with our primary caregivers and others. And now we're going to talk about our relationship with ourself. This is a really very important one for you, but it is, it's is—it's what stood out the most to me, is what is my relationship with myself look like? In Andi Kolber's book, Try Softer, she talks a lot about the importance of knowing your story. I'm going to talk to you right now a little bit of the importance of knowing your story. Uh, your your story, the, these are paraphrase. I'm paraphrasing things from her book. Your story is the neurobiological framework through which we you experience your life. It's a compilation of your events, sensations, and relationships. And they affect how we see the world. They shape our brain, our body, and our nervous system. When we grow up in homes where... Things are not safe. So maybe they're not safe relationally. Maybe they're not safe physically. For whatever reason, we don't have safety as kids. Our brain learns to scan for danger and threat. And that carries on with us in our adult life. So if that threat hasn't been repaired, it's actually happening to you now. Your, your body, no matter what your brain knows, like you can tell yourself, I'm fine, minimize your experiences, or even tell yourself, I'm safe right now. But if your body hasn't experienced an embodied experience of safety, it feels like there's a threat happening to it now. That's where triggers come from. You, you might not really understand what's happening, but your body knows the truth and your body cannot lie. And it's communicating to you, but we don't always, I did not have the resources to pay attention to my body. I I was quite literally living disconnected from my body, from my story. That's what survival mode does. You're in constant states of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. But there's really good news. Even if that is true of you, it's been true of my story. I've had many, many years of my life. They, they feel like they were taken and stolen from me. I've been engaging my story now for about a year. Um, I've gotten to a place where I'm more accepting of my story, but it took me a really long time to even be kind of okay with what is true about my story. Maybe you know that your story is really harmful and abusive and chaotic. Maybe you know you didn't grow up in a safe household. Maybe you had major neglect, like the presence of caregivers wasn't even available to you a lot of the time. The good news is we can learn to be with ourselves now. We can learn how to give ourselves the big six now. We can learn how to live within, Andy calls it our window of tolerance so we can learn how to get out of like survival mode in our brain, in our bodies. The more we know our story, the more we're able to recognize when younger parts of our, ourselves are activated. And basically trauma isn't necessarily the event itself. Although there are traumatic events that happen to people, like it, it is the event, but the thing that ends up becoming stored up trauma in someone's body. Like there's there are traumatic events, but embedded stored up unresolved trauma in someone's body happens because they didn't get the care that they needed after something really stressful or chaotic or traumatic happened to them. It's the lack of safety, the lack of care that traumatized you. And the more I get to know my story, the more I realize how long I lived without those things. And it's heartbreaking. It's sad. It makes me angry. And I think that's a, an appropriate response to the things that the situations that I was in when I was younger small baby, young toddler, a child, a preteen, a teenager, early 20s. Even in my recent life, there really is good news for us. We can learn to be the parent we always needed, the caregiver that we always needed. And that's what being with, being in right relationship with yourself, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm also going back to paraphrasing some of Andy Kolber's teachings in Try Softer. You have to read that book. Try softer is the number one resource that I recommend to people as they come to me and they're interested in engaging their story. It was one of the first books that I read. It's just it's such a good resource because you're learning from someone that understands attachment, understands trauma, understands the brain, and her herself has gone through complex trauma. So you're getting to hear a licensed professional. Talk about her experience as a licensed professional, but also talk about her experience as a normal person like you and me that's recovering from trauma. You should totally get the book. You have to. That is absolutely going to be on my resources page. You just need to go like pause this, go purchase it, and come back because I will refer to try softer a lot. The more we get familiar with our story, this is why we do story work because essentially our bodies, if you have a history of unresolved trauma or have had a traumatic event happen later on in life and you didn't get the care that you needed, our bodies are stuck in survival mode and they need help getting out. And the crazy thing is the way we do that is by giving ourselves genuine, authentic compassion and care. We ourselves need to do that to ourselves, but we also need to find relationships that are safe and witnesses that can listen to us share our heartache that will respond to us with those big six essential needs that we needed as kids. That's actually how we heal our body. It's how we heal our brain. The more you do that, this process is building safety. So our body was re- working properly, right, when it put us in survival mode because it saw a threat and it protected us. So like we can thank our body for that, right? Because it was... It was working properly by distrusting that situation that we were in. Thank you for protecting me, but now let's learn safe connection, which does exist. We can say things like that to ourselves. We can say things like, I won't force you, but can I show you? Talk to ourselves because there's a very real little girl, little boy, little kid in you that needed an adult to care for them. I'm going to read those big six things again. You needed attunement. You needed a parent to recognize tears in your eyes, sadness in your voice, anger in your body posture. Like, you needed that. You needed them to come and hug you and comfort you and give you a kiss and with kindness speak blessing and good things over you. You needed them to be interested in your interests and to be excited about the things that get you excited. You needed them to calm you down, to soothe you. You needed them to allow you to be honest about your experiences. And you needed them to own their failures. You needed your parents to allow you to have a a real honest reaction. You needed them to be able to allow you to be angry, sad, upset, And you needed that. And you needed your parents to own when they had wronged you and to repair the relationship. You deserved those things. You needed those things. So that's what you and I are gonna learn all about. We're gonna learn how to move from a posture of self-contempt, shame, self-sabotage, genuine hate for yourself, we're going to learn how to move from, that, from a posture of shame and hate and condemnation to a posture of compassion, honesty, safety. And one of the ways we do that is by getting familiar with our story. The more familiar with our story and when these stories and experiences of harm and rupture happened, the more we can identify when we're being activated or triggered in the present. We can ask ourselves, what do you need right now? We can slow down, be present. The more present we are, the more we slow down from the crazy fast paced world, the more we're going to be able to create space to recognize when something's off. I can't sit still. I literally can't sleep. I'm restless. Like we always have a TV going or a show on and, and I do all those things too. But like Hardly do we ever get quiet, get still, because we're afraid to be left alone with those thoughts and those feelings. But I'm here to tell you, the crazy thing is, the more we separate ourselves and try to create distance in between something really hard that happened, or loss or grief, trauma, the more of a hold it's actually going to have over our present life. So we have to do the hard work of being honest, slowing down, naming things that are true, giving ourselves proper care, and doing that until we can feel more stable and more safe. And the more we do this, the more integrated we will be. Our minds, our bodies will, will be able to like live connected. I think that's what you and I were made for. We were made for shalom. We were made for safe connection. Depending on your story, you, you've probably gone long enough without having those. It's, it's time to give ourselves the things that we should have always been give, given. And it sucks, I know. Some of us have to be the parents we never had. That's really hard. And there is space for you to process that reality. But you deserve care. You deserve freedom. You deserve the transformation that you desire. You deserve good, healthy, functional relationships. Not perfect ones, ones that when rupture happens, repair is made. I'm gonna end with a few quotes that hopefully you can we can end on and you can meditate on and and really let these quotes sit with you and process them and ask questions, research. There is one that's really important. I think it summarizes what we've talked about, the beauty of being with. And this is a quote by Dr. Gabor Mate. And he is a trauma expert, addiction expert, child development expert that helps people move out of survival mode. He helps them heal. And he says this, safety is not the absence of threat. It is the presence of connection. That couldn't be more true of my experiences so far. The things that caused trauma to me as a little girl was the absence of connection. I can remember being a little girl and being so afraid of like thunderstorms. (laughs) And I would like go and it took everything in me to knock on the door of my parents' bedroom. I would like really have to work to gain up, gain up, um, courage to do that. But I would, I would knock, I would come in. And as soon as you're in bed with your mom and dad, you feel at peace. The rain has not stopped. The storm is still going on. The thunder that's scaring you is still happening, but you feel safe because you're in the presence of your mom and dad who are bigger than you that are there to help you. And that's what that makes me think of, like a young kid getting in and being with their mom and dad. Safety is not the absence of threat. It's not the thunderstorm going away. It is the presence of connection. And then here's another one that I think also sums up what we're talking about, right? With, this is from Adam Young, The Place We Find Ourselves. Uh, This is from episode 16. And he says, more than wanting our circumstances to change, we want to feel the presence of someone in the fire with us. That one's really good. All right, and then we'll end with a quote from Andi Kolber. Learning how to be, this is from one of her episodes um, on Adam Young's podcast, episode 112. Learning how to be with our stories in our bodies without becoming overwhelmed by or numbing out our past experiences is the way we will learn how to actually handle and move through the grief and anxiety that come up. So Good. There are real reasons why you have anxiety, why you're having panic attacks, why you have rage at your spouse that you can't explain, that no matter how hard you pray, how much, maybe even therapy like me that you go to, you can't break free from those cycles. There are very real physical reasons why you can't, and these resources are here to help you. Like I can attest to them. Because I am experiencing breakthrough, actual like transformation from cycles and patterns that have been with me most of my life that I just never thought would change. They're changing. I'm healing. I can see myself, stay with myself in times where I want to turn on myself and condemn and shame me for mistakes that I make or failures that I have in life. We deserve kind, compassionate care. We deserve to be spoken to with tender kindness and gentleness. We deserve to be held in our worst moments. That's actually what we need in those moments. We need connection. We need care. We need a presence. We need a person holding us, being with us. All right, that wraps it up. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something. And I hope that you can take away at least getting curious of what would it look like for me to offer my self-care? What do I need? Do I need to find a therapist, a trauma-informed therapist? Am I relating with some of the things Chassie's talking about? And I feel like I've done therapy. I pray. I go to church. I do all these things, but I'm not seeing breakthrough. If you relate with some of the things and you don't know if you got the big six needs met from your primary caregivers, you probably should look into a trauma-informed therapist. Maybe that seems like a big step. I would encourage you to get the book Try Softer and read someone else talk about their story of recovering from trauma. You can try and find a group of other people. Maybe you're grieving. Try to find a group of other people grieving. Find a space that is safe, that you feel people are listening to you genuinely and there's space for you to be honest. So maybe that's a close friend that you've just always loved talking to. Or maybe it's a group of other people in your city who are dealing with the loss of a loved one. Those are three potentially helpful resources. Even you listen to this podcast, you can be proud of yourself because you are taking steps into learning what you need to learn. You're taking the necessary steps to getting the healing that you deserve. Make sure to tune in next episode. You're not going to want to miss it.